Alrighty, what do we have here? Jeez, it's a lion! Run, Stimpy, move it! Oh, hey, Ren, it's just a little lion. Look at him, he's so cute and all alone. Can we keep him? Stimpy, you idiot, are you nuts? You're talking about a lion. Lions eat guys like us. Oh, but he's so little. He's going to get bigger. Well, maybe he'll be on our side. Yeah, <laughs> that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Hey, I've got it. What if he's on our side? You know, having a lion around might not be such a bad idea. So we're keeping him? Of course. Who's the brains of this outfit? Uh... My point exactly. I'm afraid. Let's get out of here and find some shade. You get it. Yeah. You get it, though, guys. These are those, they're doing that two thing. They're, they have two things, and one of them's real gregarious, and the other one's real sarcastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Stop you, me if you heard this before. Much like a cat and a dog might, uh, if they were anthropomorphized or a dog and a as such. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where one of us is real gregarious and the other is very sarcastic. Hey, uh, <laughs> well, we <trade> where... off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we got to just do both of all of it all at the same time. Uh, and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today, for our inaugural 10th uh, year <laughs> episode, we are going, we, okay, we got a bucket list, right? We, we got to get through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we we here at the Carton cast, we eat our vegetables first. Mm-hmm. We're, we're saving the dessert for later on. We're yeah. doing the things that absolutely must be met. <laughs> and we knew we had to do Ren and Stimpy because both of us, I think, loathe it. Uh, loathe isn't or the right word. We had pretty negative opinions of it before checking it out uh, this is it, not a show i grew up with it's not so personal as loathe it's more like when you know you gotta put it down or like when you know there's like a deranged criminal on the loose like you don't feel good about putting him in jail but you know that's where he's gotta go i i, I don't know how well i feel about that metaphor but uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, let me put it this way ren and stimpy is a beloved property but not by us Mm-hmm. It was for many of our friends and cohort growing up, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't have a personal interaction with it. All it read as to me was, hey, that's grosser than most shows I like. Right. Intentionally, uh, right? That's that's the conceit. Indeed it is. And as a result, it really paved a lot of new territory that other shows later would um, would ape the formula of. Uh, Cow and Chicken, there's yeah. influences in Spongebob. Um, Beavis and Butthead, I think Mike Judge, yeah, we're, we're, Mike Judge we're, uh, had direct inspiration yeah. from this. We're, we're looking at one of those uh, primordial forms of a genre. Yeah. Where you can see both in direct lineage and also like you can see influence in offshoots, you know, far away, far removed from, from the actual inspiration here. It, you can look further into the past to find inspirations on this, but this one is intentionally... Uh, trying to, trying to rock the boat. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you can find a Mickey Mouse before Fantasia, but it's not really the same, you know, like this, this is, this was a new step on the, on the staircase toward where we are in animation today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was an evolution of a formula that had previously been there. And, you know, despite my dislike of this show uh, on a lot of metrics, I, I do find it a necessary stepping stone. I think I that a lot of good show. stuff has come out of it and has been inspired by it in the same way that like a Beavis and Butthead would. I I tended to like Beavis and Butthead a little bit more for reasons we can get into later. But yeah, I respect this show for what it did. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, still not really enjoying watching it. Although I, I will admit, this look back, I, there were some genuine chuckles from my end. Yeah, I, yeah. There were... There were moments I I enjoyed. There are there's a lot of um, there's a lot of impressive choices being made here, but there's also a lot of like juvenilia that does not aid it. Or maybe it aids it. Maybe it's just hard to separate that from the identity think, of it. I think it's a bit subjective too. Like we're just not the target audience for that. Sure. I will say this: I get a similar feeling watching this as I do watching Venture Bros because it's like we have Hanna Barbera. What if we just tried to flip the script a bunch? Hmm. You know, like it, it, it perverts and inverts something that we have a really good recognition of what it's supposed to behave like. So you have all that classical Looney Tunes score. You have those classic sitcom plot lines, but you have like just this this grotesque perversion of it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how better to describe it. Like, like Bosch got his hands on a on a on a Rembrandt kind yeah. of the kind of thing. Yeah, and we 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 can discuss the uh, the corruption at length as is our want. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so the Ren and Stimpy show, mostly known just as Ren and Stimpy after the title characters, uh, this ran on Nickelodeon from 1991 to 1995. It was created by John Crickfellucci. And produced by his company Spumco, which was named both for the Danish word spum, which means quality, and by Raymond Spum, the inventor of animation. Now, both of those facts were made up by Kirk Fallucci. Amazing. Those are, those, are, uh, those are false facts. That's very good. Might we say fake uh, news? I, I love it. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted a real fact. No. Even if it was more interesting. I'm, like, the fact the that I'm it's going made to for up real is facts. great. <laughs> uh, this was one of... Th- Three of the original Nicktoon lineup alongside yes. Doug and the Rugrats, which yeah. I think were a pretty different demographic. Yeah. So what happened was uh, Vanessa Coffey uh, was the VP of animation. And at this time, Nickelodeon had only been running, um, you know, uh, acquired properties, right? They were doing old Looney Tunes uh, uh, reruns, etc. And they were they were looking to do new stuff. And so she was on the move looking for what's new, what's going to get a diversity of kids watching our shows. Um, and Kirk Fallucci pitched a few parody shows, and this dog and cat show parody was singled out to move forward. Um, so when Vanessa Coffey like, put this forward to the executives, a lot of them said, Doug looks good. Rugrats looks good. Ren Stimpy... I feel like we got to tone this down or ditch it. And she's like, try it. I am staking my job on it. Try it for six episodes. <laughs> and it, yeah. and it, and it went, and went well. People liked it. Um, the way that I saw her, uh, that I saw it described in relation to, uh, to her is she said like, we want to give kids a food pyramid of animation and Doug, that's your vegetables. Rugrats, that's your meatball and spaghettis. 
Ren and Stimpy, that's just a little bit of dessert for the kids. Just a little, yeah. Just a little. I o- mean, only a little should be consumed. <laughs> I mean, poop humor is going to, you know, appeal. You know, it, it's it's not. But this isn't strictly for that demographic. I mean, like, it's hard to say, right? Like, it's hard to say in retrospect, like, how young this was targeting. Because sure. I, there's parts of this that I, I struggle to imagine kids not kind of recoiling at, given that, like, you know, you... you you're just graduating from shapes and colors like yeah. maybe you're in your in your not quite 10 years old period and then you have these grotesque close-ups of like boogers and and excrement and it, like it was an experiment right and nickelodeon was very experimental nickelodeon for a long time has sort of just thrown all of its properties sort of uh unconstrained at the audience you know you're going to have during the early 2000s you had things like spongebob and things like Avatar The Last Invader Airbender. Invader Zim. And you're like, and, and Invader Zim. And you're like, well, these are not aimed at the same person. Uh, whereas Cartoon Network had a much more segmented. It's like, okay, we have our, our, our main block. And then we also have some old Hanna-Barbera reruns. And then we got Adult Swim. You know, like, it, it, it's different approaches to trying to uh, appeal to a broad market. And I think that this was um, not a bad call. It's just... It looks weird in retrospect, knowing what we do now. Yeah, I, I. it's hard to go back from where we are to imagine it, a time wherein Ren and Stimpy wasn't um, allowed. Yeah. You know, if, like that. that is, it's like you said, it was a primordial thing. Like the censors didn't know to keep this out. And by the time it got out there, it was too late. If it hadn't premiered with those other two shows and somebody had recommend as a counterfactual Hey, you know what would have been a good counterpoint to those two? Insane. Criminally insane point. <laughs> but it worked. Um, um, it now, did work. However, there was some rocky relationships between the creator, John Crickfaluzzi, and, and Nickelodeon, as I understand it. Yeah, he would miss deadlines. Um, he had, uh, you know, he's a strong personality. He was an, a creator kind of kind of guy. Um, yeah, he, yes. he kind of, he kind of... Uh, found friction with the bureaucracy and the censors and every kind of the ways in which they were trying to constrain his creative vision to the yeah. point at which he broke ties after the second season and it's they one of the, it's continued one of those, it without him. Yeah, it's one of those, like, it's hard to say who's exactly to blame. I tend to think that authors who are kind of too high on their own supply are generally at fault in these scenarios but like i'm not about to you know go to bat for the company either (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know enough about the person behind ren and stimpy to really gauge one way or another now if it was look if it was billy west who cut ties i would absolutely be in his corner but like Mm -hmm. i don't know enough about uh john crick felucci oh well we have some more information about him he was bad at getting the deadlines um it's kind of became like a like a long running joke. He had some uh, like digs at the Simpsons uh, during this time as well, uh, and they on their uh, you know in in an episode of the Simpsons they're like they're like doing an award show or something and like and here's an award for Ren and Stimpy and it like cut to just a sign that said clip not finished yet <laughs> or something like that like oh that that's sort cute. of thing. Uh, he, uh, he actually later of, did a Simpsons couch gag, which is haunting to look at. <laughs> I, I haven't looked at it, and I believe you without reservation. Uh, 
funny related little tidbit about The Simpsons, uh, Matt Groening apparently went on record of saying that Ren and Stimpy was the only good cartoon on the air other than The Simpsons. Yeah, it, it, a lot of... There, um, there's a fondness between them. There's there's like a convivial, competitive spirit between the two properties, it seems. You know, I can definitely see this show appealing to creators who were also aiming at that awkward adolescent uh, uh, target. You know, uh, and Mike, maybe also trying to push the censors as far as they were allowed to go at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Judge with uh, Beavis and Butthead. You know, I can imagine the guy who made Pelswick would probably get along great with this guy. Uh, probably so. That, that sort of thing. But um, so and a lot of his staff really, you know, revered his work and they left along with him. Uh, and the animation started getting handled by um, Games Animation, which was Nick's in-house animation uh, studio at the time. And... Uh, you know, Billy West took over uh, both lead roles. Um, there was talk, and, and he had said that he was fired over a particularly transgressive episode. Uh, I went back and watched it. Not appreciably worse than everything else. <laughs> I couldn't find it. That was the one with the abusive father, right? Yeah, a guy named George Licker, American, who just abuses them, and then they abuse him back, and then they all... So what they do is they dance around naked with poop in their mouths, but but what it there's there's <laughs> something weird that happens in this era of cartooning. Like, okay, l- let's throw the mind back. Abusing animals for comedy is as old as the hills, Zane. Yeah, we this was this was straight up Steamboat Willie stuff. Like, oh, this, we, this goes had back to this... the Greeks when they fed that donkey some figs and the dude died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Just show notes, Jesus. Um, yeah, th- this. Animal cruelty is hallmark for uh, for 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 animation humor. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a distinctiveness to this that makes the animal abuse a little bit more unforgiving that I don't love. And it's certainly true that when an animal is abusing another animal, it is different than when a human being is abusing an animal. It doesn't yeah. matter how unrealistic that animal looks like there's a concept there that there's no amount of wallpaper that can cover it up the the comments around the episode that i saw were were that the problem was actually that ren attacked the the man i'm sorry with a boat oar i okay you, you may have to walk me through a little bit of the plot of this episode because i i i didn't i didn't dive into the minutiae Oh, well, you know, he he adopts them as pets, and then he says, "If you're gonna be pets, you gotta learn how to be pets." And one oh, of the, Jesus, what do, what pets he, he 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 stimpy centipedes them. Yeah, uh, kind of, well, <laughs> so he he says like, "You need discipline, and you gotta do oh, something shit. wrong if you want to learn discipline. Go do something wrong." And he like creepy dude. I, I now that you're saying it like that, I'm remembering an episode of Dexter's Lab that did like a very similar mm. like pretend like using the notion of detention as like these kids are actually in prison. Yeah, the same basically. kind of guy. It's the same kind of guy, and with the same close-ups and the time to look at the criminals. Yeah, like just like the, the giddiness the of sadist. this. Yeah, the there's, sadist there's, in power. It's one of these shows that, like, is so elemental, as you can see it in a bunch of other properties. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, the things that the show decided to play straight in terms of, like, we are doing violence unto another person on a very visceral, I'm cutting into their organ way. And then there's other stuff that they, they decided to, like, give a little veneer. So, like, in that episode, 
um, the 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 human rewards Stimpy for successfully breaking a rule and being disciplined with a little chew toy uh, that is labeled lawn cigar, but is clearly just a string of poop. And he, like, dances around with it in his mouth. And by the end, they're all doing that. Okay. There's nothing... There's nothing I... I can't... Okay, so... What was the part that needed to be hid? That's a good, like, topic of discussion that maybe we can hold off on for a second, but it's worth underlining that there's kind of a continuum of transgressive humor at play here. Part of it is conceptual. Part of it is, like, viscerally on the page. Yeah, yeah. The former I appreciate, and the latter is hard for me to stomach. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting trying to figure out where that line is for each of us, and if it's as much of an a universal line as we assume it is. And I, th- I think a good uh, touch point for this would be like in Invader Zim. Invader Zim. If, and hey, where there's there concepts were moments there, in Invader Zim I can't do. Yeah. There's stuff that looks awful and there's stuff that's conceptually awful. Sometimes they overlap. You got to pick your own line. Yeah. And, and also there are conceptual and visceral lines in Invader Zim that I can't cross. And it's it's on a, it's on a case by case basis, right? Sure. But, but but you're willing there to is give a lot the of invader zim because there's it's good. There's a lot of invader zim that really gets a lot across in that transgressive humor. Yeah. Like it, it, so it's you you can't kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, I guess is the is the end result here is like there might be some stuff in Ren and Stimpy that is going a little too far for your own comfort, but it's it's a necessary you can't perfectly color inside the lines while you're creating those lines yeah it, you, you have to look at the evolutions to see what they kept and what they got rid of um to, yeah. to be more successful so uh anyway received a brief revival in 2003 on spike tv and a second one was ordered by comedy central in 2020 however crick felucci was me too'd in 2018 for his sexual assaults of teenagers and he's not involved with the show in any way anymore i uh, yeah Good. Yep. I mean, I also didn't need this revived, but I'm glad to hear he has less avenues for a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like That is good to know. You know, consequences uh, are I good. Will, I will say, um, I, I didn't watch any of the new ones. I did watch a couple of the episodes from the later seasons, and there is a there is a marked drop in quality. Yeah, the... They're, they're less mean. So, uh, I went back and listened to our Rocco's Modern Life episode... And we talk about how in the first season it's a lot darker and scarier and meaner and, like, more depressing. And then in the later seasons lightened up and kind of found its groove. Ren and Stimpy starts off even more gross and depressing and and upsetting. And then the later seasons drop off. The overlap is between—the overlap in tone is between Rocco's season one and Ren and Stimpy seasons three and on. Like— That's that's the levels we're dealing with here. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that this wasn't crueler, actually. Like, I, I've, in my weird child memory, I, I associated the disgusting, gross-out, nauseating, you know, um, animation style of this mm-hmm. with kind of a cruelty. Like, I, all I remember was Ren being abused. It's, it's not really that uniform. Like, there, there is actual genuine warmth in this that I wasn't expecting. Right, yeah. Anyways, so let's maybe get into the cartoon itself. 
Sure. So this is uh, basically, you know, doing an odd couple thing. We have a neurotic cat. We have a lovable dog. They're living together. Uh, and, nope, you know, a nope, thing nope, nope. occurs. It's a, it's a neurotic dog and a lovable cat. Good try, though. Is Ren the dog? I continually forget that he's a dog. Yeah. No. Chihuahua. Yeah. We're used to seeing big, goofy dog. And you're thinking cat dog. And I don't fault you for it. Because that's that's the standard, right? Right. Because um, he, yeah, he's all shriveled up. And, like, Stimpy's got that hilarious Ch- huge butt. And, like, that's a dog butt. I, I recognize it's a dog butt. It's also a dog nose. Yeah, but, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're playing with forms. Uh, they are. I, I think case. you're thinking of the pair from Animaniacs, Rita and... Uh, Repulsa. No, not Rita and Repulsa. <laughs> Rita and... I can't. I, I, keep that, I keep on thinking that dog's name is Purse because of the intro, but it's not. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, but, I also don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had a name. <laughs> He was not gifted one by his overlord. But yeah, oh. you ju- you tend to have the prim proper cat and the uh, the kind of mangy cur of a dog. Yeah. You know, Lady and the Tramp style. But like, I mean, I know they're both dogs, but that's the idea. Yeah. But this kind of flips it on its head. Yeah. And uh, so, so typically something will happen and it'll be kind of the same starting point that you would see in other shows. It would be like, oh, like... His tooth fell out if you're doing Doug and like he puts it under the yeah. pillow and he gets a coin and like, is the tooth fairy real? That kind of bullshit. Whereas yeah. here, um, it's a personal hell where he doesn't take care of his teeth and they all break and all that's left are his nerve endings. And Stimpy says, we need to remove the nerve endings from your mouth and put them under your pillow for the nerve ending fairy to come and give you hundred dollar bills. And so we watch Ren pull the nerve endings from his mouth out with pliers one by one. And then the fairy comes and leaves just, him lint just, instead. Just a straight up torture scene. Yeah. It's too sad to be funny. And I don't know who thought it was funny. Because <laughs> the thing is, as you're saying it, I'm like, that's a good I- like in isolation. That's a good idea. Like yeah. the notion. OK, tooth fairy a quarter. Well, what's under the tooth? Like that's got to be worth more. Right. Yeah. And you can you can see kind of the genesis it's, of it's that beca- idea. It's the idea the show sits in it. Is, it, it does. There's no it, show but what I just described. <laughs> it doesn't shy away from the from the concept at all, and the concept does not have to be particularly inventive. I just watched an episode where it this is they all it is for the first couple of seasons is hey here's a sitcom plotline that everyone is very familiar mm-hmm. with. Uh, camping episode. Like they go camping. Yep. You you know they're gonna deal with it's like a a series of short. Okay, they're gonna go swimming. Okay, they're gonna go get food. Okay, they're gonna sleep under the stars. Like these self contained little scenes, and we know that Ren's gonna have a bad time, and that violence will be enacted on both of them, either from the world or each other. Sure. Um. But like, so there isn't anything new there conceptually it's it's the articulation yeah that is new wherein like stimpy is like hey we should go skinny dipping and then you're like hang on okay this is a cat and a dog what does that they take and then the skin he, off pretty frequently they they unzip and it's not like the blood and guts and muscle thing that you'd expect it's, it's just, just like pale versions of them yeah and 
Stimpy takes his off, like drapes it over a tree like yeah. it's a Stimpy suit for some person to wear. Ren does the same thing, but he still has tidy whiteies under underneath. <laughs> it's 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 kind of incredible. Like just the whole thing is really just let's explore the standard sitcom plot line, but let's just let's let's pull off all of the limiters yeah but but it's fucked up is a classic yeah but it's fucked up is the suffix of every right, we, 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 we saw this in robot chicken like idea and but it's fucked up but there it was a lot shorter here there was an episode where they're on the beach right and ren feels self-conscious because he's not very strong he wants big pecs classic so, so he gets a, a surgical procedure done to take the fat from stimpy's butt put into his pet and he becomes like a superstar and and you know stimpy is you know muddles in obscurity he's sad that he doesn't have his butt anymore but he's happy for ren okay the bulk of the runtime is the surgical procedure jesus <laughs> and showing how they're cutting off his butt and how they're scooping the fat out with an ice cream scoop and how they're peeling ren's skin back yeah that's that's horrifying and that's that's where the line is crossed for me. Yeah. Even though I like the notion of it. Yeah, like the idea. Okay, so so I watched um, I watched an episode of Cow and Chicken, which it derives a lot. Like, oh yeah, it's 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 Dur what, direct direct it's to this inspiration. What family Guy is to Simpsons, right? Like, yeah, um, inseparable. It, and two stupid dogs is another one. You know that kind of thing. It similarly revels in the grossness. I don't know if you remember this. They eat um pork butts and taters as their favorite meal <laughs> and their parents remember. shoot the pork butts at them with a catapult and they try and catch it and it lands on the on the wall behind them and it just sort of slides down and ooze that's that's really funny god i forgot about that like, of course you forgot like, about that you blocked it out like what is that like all i remember from cow and chicken is the red guy mm -hmm. very important pay respect uh, <laughs> but then the also but then also <laughs> kiss the ring of the of the red guy Oh, God, I don't want to think about where he keeps that ring. Um, and then also the fact that the parents are just called dad and mom, and yeah. they are just pairs of legs that are silhouetted. Yes. In every um, scene. But but the thing that I had forgotten about Cow and Chicken, and that really distinguishes it from this, every scene in Cow and Chicken is no longer than 10 seconds. Yeah, it's fast. And here... So, so the way that they design this show is the same way that they do it. Um, I don't remember which other show. It might have been Rocco's Modern Life, where you're doing storyboards rather than a script. And you're leaving mm. a lot of the joke work to the animators, which is typically mm -hmm. a good move. And so yeah. what it does here is basically lets them draw out whatever thing seems to be taking on the best life. But everybody working on this appears to have, you know, had a different sense of taste than I do. <laughs> It. I don't know if everyone, but like there is a there is a marked amount of creative control that seems to find grotesqueness funny. And like, and like it, I want to put yeah. myself in the mindset of somebody in 1991 who's not getting this, who is starting to get this in movies like Clerks or something like the sort of really counter to the mainstream stuff. Well, um, think of the people who grew up in so you you look at cartoons that come out nowadays. Mm -hmm. They're people who grew up with, you know, SpongeBob and Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah. You think about people who came up with Ren and Stimpy, they grew up in, you know, um like Johnny Quest and Tarzan. and 
and Tarzan and like just a, like a bunch of kind of pulpy some, fantastical some, nonsense er, earnestness and honesty and, and uh, like neutered like there yeah. isn't really edge to any he-man there isn't really an edge to any of those early kind of Hanna-Barbera things yeah. it's, it's all very very uh very rounded and and inoffensive yeah whereas this this is like Beavis and Butthead this is very Gen X-y it's edgy it's in your face it's it's uh insulting you that you dare clutch your pearls that you don't appreciate this art um and also it's it's you know sarcastic and not heartfelt most of the time which makes those heartfelt moments feel kind of impressive exceptional but also kind of like a you know they're only doing it so that they can hurt you harder it happens right there in the first episode in the pilot they're you know in the dog pound I, I don't know why Stimpy is there, but whatever. Well, he's a dog uh, they as get... well. No, he's Rendo. actually Rendo's a, cat. a cat. Okay, <laughs> so they get put in the dog pound, uh, and um, they uh, like it, it, for whatever reason they're, they're going to be like put to sleep. First of all, uh, incredible. They're saying die right away. They, mm. This is this is not the cartoon formula we're used to in the late nineties, early thousands. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a very different breed. And eventually, Ren gets adopted because Stimpy coughed up a bunch of hairballs onto him, so he looks like a poodle. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, like that's, that's a great, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a good gag. Like that's a gag that works elsewhere. Yeah. And Ren stops as stops the person from taking him out of there, saving him from certain death, and basically says in human speech, weirdly, of course, you can't take me until unless you take Stimpy too. Aww. And it's just like, geez, I I didn't realize that they were they're they're besties. They mm-hmm. are besties, and Ren. there are moments where Ren drops the act and like lets himself be thankful for the companionship, and it's just. I, I honestly like I felt for it like yeah. every time every time he's just like you know what you know what Stimpy I gotta tell you you are right about this this is a great this this feels pretty good you know, <laughs> it always always works on me and it happens with enough regularity that it's part of his character yeah yeah I I, I like that yeah but um, yeah the stuff that sets this show apart from what came before it and laid the groundwork for what came after it. It's hard to appreciate that stuff because it was 30 years ago. It's hard to appreciate groundbreaking stuff when you have all the things that it inspired, when you have the gross up, the, the gross out close up humor in a SpongeBob that does it both more palatable and in service of jokes rather than on its own. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a scene in Oran High Host Club wherein. Uh, the the smart one, Muscles Glasses, whatever uh-huh. his name is. <laughs> that uh, was, it. It was I believe his name was Muscles Glasses. Aaron uh, yeah, the Glasses that... for <laughs> the Glasses family glasses fortune. Damio. Been a while. Uh, he He's like painting a picture and trying to do it right. And mm-hmm. then Tamaki Senpai comes in and is like, we're going to be man whores for a bit. <laughs> Uh, and he finally gets like the inspiration to not paint out inside the lines. Yeah. This is like a very unsuccessful muscles glasses painting, but it's still impressive. <laughs> like it, they're they're nowhere close to the lines, and often it is ugly because of that. I I think it honestly the most impressive thing about it is that it was able to run on Nickelodeon 
and get away with so much. So that feels like a con. after it knew where the line was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you can actually even see, like, this pushes it pretty far. They pull it back for... You know, like a like a SpongeBob or something. They push it out again for Invader Zim. Like you can see, like the kind of line shifting, the, the ebbing and flowing with the tides of. Well, well of I'm the, kind of curious. Of the, can of you think of Can you think of a really successful show that pushed the envelope more than this? Like beyond where this went, other than like South Park. No, not really. Probably just South Park. It's yeah. I I uh, maybe um, what's that one cat show? Not VG Cats, uh, Spaz Cats, something like that. Something I don't remember like what it's called. I'm thinking of all the crude, you know, intentionally offensive shows that I'm thinking of are not generally very good, like a like a Drawn Together or um, Crank Yankers. Like these were not quality yeah. products. No, this is this is quality, and it's it's um, it's a consistent product. Yeah, like it, it's not all over the place. When I when we say that it's drawing outside the lines, it's always in kind of the same way, you know. Like it, it's it's definitely outside the lines, but you're you're going to get the same kind of shapes as you would have if you were inside the lines. They're well, just they're, they're, surprising. There are predictable inconsistencies, right? So Kirk Felucci yeah. was very against the idea of character models, right? How the Simpsons characters always looked the same, and when you look at his characters, it makes perfect sense that like. Yeah, there's a basic shape, but most of the time in the episode, they're spent hunched over or stretched out or head smushed or just like very jarring. It goes back to the uh, well-worn 40s cartoon staples of like tube physics, right? Mm -hmm. Like just the the squeeze and stretch of like a Popeye or a a Lucy or not a Lucy Lou. uh, Lucy Lou? I'd let her do some body breaking. Oh yeah, she's already there. But like, it's it's it it is kind of it it it's a little bit cuphead in its uh in its in its in its design there. Like, the, yeah. the, you you always know when you're looking at a wren because it's got like okay, the eyes are yellow and like you, he's he's kind of melty or whatever. You you can't really. It's not a specific character model. It it changes and its shape as the scene demands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back to the characters for a second before moving on. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's dig into these two. So, uh, first off is Ren, uh, the kind kind of the 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 not the mover and shaker, but like the main point of reference character of the pair, uh, voiced by John Crickfalusi, and uh, in the first couple of seasons, but then Billy West after that. Right. Uh, apparently, Crick Felucci originally voiced Ren, styled him after a demented Peter Lore from a Peter demented Lurie. Peter Lore from the film The Maltese Falcon. Sure, which yeah, is I get that. F- fascinating. Well, you know Peter Lore. That's a very iconic uh, uh, vocal performance. Um, so having this guy, who's clearly not a voice actor, you know, do something that he can reliably make exasperated sounds and I, I i think it's a reason it's the kind of thing where like oh he did this impression as a kid and he yeah. just and yeah, got yeah, a laugh yeah. so he never stopped this, that's exactly what it feels like and like if you had one voice that worked like this works it does work mm-hmm. it's like pretty clearly not a billy west billy west is doing his job better but like <laughs> it still works in the pairing and yeah. um yeah, and like I like like I kind of said with like their dynamic with each other, I just I like that it isn't all 
ire. It's not all, you know, venom. Right. Like he, there, there is some Stimpy gentleness. An idiot, but then he will be. He's he's a bit abusive, uh, and Stimpy. Yes. You know, he's you know, kind of kind of dumb, so he'll do the wrong thing. It's 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 a it's a worn and established trope. We see it in Cat Dog. It works but well like, enough. It, but it surprised me, and uh, the the thing that surprised me, I was relating this a lot to SpongeBob. Yeah, because like this would be the Squidward. Um, it not it's not a perfect analogy no, yeah, because we don't have the like imagine a Squidward and a Patrick together, and they are farther on that spectrum of like dopey versus cynical. Right, like Squidward is way more cynical and way less cuddly than Ren is. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to imagine Squidward like going to the beach and like, oh, I don't have pecs. Yeah, he doesn't display insecurity. Like, Ren is a surprisingly textured two-dimensional character, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's, it's you know, it's, it, I, we're, we're not and, and talking about, And we watch the show like, to see bad things happen to him. Yeah, and, and for him to do bad things and, and for him And for him for to Karma cry to, for a long time in despair about how his actions led to this. And he knows it's his fault, but he he cannot escape the pain. I I would like to offer you this rebuttal. The show quickly teaches you of the impermanence of his pain. Yes. So I think that you, what you have to do when you're watching this, and this is a struggle for me as well, you have to accept that him getting his nerve endings pulled out is akin to a bad dream. Like, we can accept it for the space of the episode, Nothing sticks. I had this trouble with Johnny Bravo at times as well. Like yeah, whenever yeah. there was like a weird surgery scene or like somebody yeah. got their arm broken for it, like kind of cruelly. I was just like, I, I'm thinking about it like I would think about a person like this is permanent damage done to something that I feel empathy toward. Right. And you 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 can't engage you can't with that. that. And that's such a that's such a hard thing to move back from. How do you unlearn empathy? It's such a hard thing to do in this show because they spend a lot of time <laughs> telling you, hey, you should empathize with this creature that's crying over a life changing, like devastating thing happening to him. But then, as you say, the final scene, Stimpy got him a present. It's a huge tooth that he shoves in and it takes up half his, like his entire mouth and you can see the points nailing through the back of his neck and he's like, oh, I love it, Stimpy. Thank you. Where did you get it? And you look at Stimpy and he's missing a huge tooth and he's like, oh, Ren. And, and weird, episode. Weird, <laughs> weird gift of the Magi riff, yeah. Right? It's it's like... Like gift, gift of the Magi... But that's the thing. It, it they're they're looking at the classic plotline and being like, what if we just perverted the whole thing? Yeah, like this is not traditional storytelling, and I gotta I gotta respect it for that. You do have to respect it for that. I, I think you're also um, you're you're winnowing in on the points that were the most abusive to our enjoyment, and and that's totally valid. I'd like to offer a counterpoint because I think that it really displays some where some of the comedy is just kind of inherently amazing sure in the camping episode there is a point in which we got a toilet humor thing here where ren is going to drink some cool crisp clean spring water Mm -hmm. and stimpy says no ren don't do it if you drink that water beavers do their business in there you're gonna catch beaver fever uh clip in beaver fever from the angry beavers real quick so instead stimpy gives him a little paper cup, like the triangle paper cup from, like, a water fountain that he's sure. presumably been carrying around. And then Ren looks in the in the cooler, 
and just a beaver is chilling there, like giving like a little salute. <laughs> and Ren transforms into a beaver. Sure. And smacks Stimpy with his beaver tail. And then a yokel comes in from off screen and smacks Stimpy with the beaver tail. And then it's the end of the episode. So like it, it's grotesque. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> But, but also, it, funny. it gives us it gives us the image that I pasted into the Discord before we started, uh, which is well worth well, yeah. which is well worth a little discomfort. Yeah, no, I, I I think what where it succeeds and where the humor does come in is where they are willing to go far on absurdity and double down. Yeah. Um, there was a there was an episode where they were like you know they read a fairy tale, but it's weird. Um, again, a classic plot line. We see it in Rocco, etc. They lean in on the gags and they just pile them on until one of them hits or until the whole situation is absurd. And they do it by pulling you along. So like Ren's Robin Hood, he shoots the the king, but they don't say the king when he's when Stimpy reading the story is is telling about an authority figure. He says uh, the mayor of Dodge City and this like. Texan guy with a big hat is there with a star yeah. on his chest and he's like well I can't use a gun uh, and he shoots him with his turkey baster and like they just kind of pile on he stole from the rich and gave to the criminally insane wait no no no, no. <laughs> that's not it dude the turkey baster as a gun thing is something they did in Ed and Eddie mm-hmm. I would be surprised if there wasn't inspiration because oh, sure. Ed and Eddie very very frequently um, revels in the grotesque yeah do they not no I, the inspiration goes wide and deep mm-hmm. yeah so like I, I i there are good parts to this show there is humor for me it does it is far outweighed by the discomfort and i'm sure the author would take pride in that but yep. it's just not what i'm here for yeah I, I i can see that i think i'm a little bit more accepting of it if only because i'm a little bit more jaded as these things go sure um but you know i i also have my limits and it it is unpleasant it, to sit through a lot of. It just feels like each episode was trying to one-up making a personal hell for one of them, usually Ren. Well, the later episodes kind of went deeper into that. Mm. You know, like the, the, the later seasons when, when uh, John... I can't John, remember say how Johnny to K. say his name. Johnny K. When Johnny K um, did n- no longer worked on the project, they there was kind of a... We're doing this for the sake of doing this and not because that's where the creative juices led us you can tell when somebody's coloring outside the lines in the same way they did before yeah or or doing so specifically in order to i i can't stop bringing this example up the scene in family guy where stewie shoots brian when did you bring this up can you remind me (laughs) it's the it's the scene that i broke ties with family guy for is the one where um, Stewie, uh, where Brian owes Stewie some money, and he's a little late getting it back. So we get like a a a pimp beating someone up for owed money scene, complete with shooting him in the kneecap. Right, right. And there's there's no joke during the scene. Yeah. It's just cruelty. It's, it's just cruelty and inhabiting a trope that we're uncomfortable with. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, oh, I the, the the creators are just like. And now, shock comedy. Yeah. Because that's, that's what is funny. Like, but let's just tosh this thing up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we deal with this every time something is, is reveling in the shock comedy, which is like, there's an art to it. 
There's a there. You have to be funny enough to overcome the shock. Otherwise, it's just being. It's a just dick. cruelty. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a difference between inhabiting shock comedy as an end to it uh, in and of itself, and having shock comedy as a tool in your toolbox to tell the joke you are already going to do. And the the earlier seasons of Ren and Stimpy, it felt like grotesque comedy wasn't the point of it. Mm-hmm. It's just that that was something they were very willing to experiment with. It it was an expression, right? Like they want they did want to shock and this was their method for doing so. But yeah, the later but it, seasons didn't want to shock. They wanted to emulate. They wanted, they wanted to, to be more keep, Ren and Stimpy. They wanted to keep making more, right? They wanted to make it more right. marketable, even. Um, it was no longer a reaction to the cartoons they grew up with. It was now a reaction to earlier Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, and that, that always loses something when, you don't ha- when you're not constantly pushing the boundaries. I've brought up this example before about uh, Seinfeld, where every season you bring on new writers with new real experiences to draw from because otherwise you're just what what else do you have at some point you run out of things that happened to you (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. and it loses the reality so the grotesqueness is certainly an aspect of this i'd like to bring mine the other kind of chief component of the show which is irreverence i don't think we've touched enough on the irreverent humor yeah no we haven't this this show really wants to be Again, it it is in a corrupting way, but it does want to be yeah. silly and weird. Um, the 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 fake advertisements for powdered toast, right? Or powdered Dude, toast powdered man. toast man, yeah. Who 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 flies backward through the sky? Because he puts his like head into a toaster and gets launched. It's it's a very freakazoid. Like let's mess around with the way superheroes travel about kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, or how the the ad for for log instead of slinky. It's, it's, it's big, it's heavy, I mean, it's wood. Yeah, a loner in pairs and just two gigantic logs falling downstairs. And, like, the, the notion that all these kids are, like, just over the moon <laughs> for a block of wood it is, like, hey, man, listen, I couldn't point to the market research that created that advertisement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, who would have thought that that would catch on and be, like, a an easy reference for an, an entire generation for the next 30 years. Yeah. When um, there's an episode where uh, Ren is sick and Stimpy is, you know, lovingly nursing him back to health and taking care of him. And the ridiculous things that are happening, you can tell when it's, we're trying to be cruel and when it's, we're trying to be silly. This was on the silly end where he he does he does a thing where he takes off his skin, but Simpy's given him a bath, and he's like, you know, I wouldn't normally do this. I feel very you know vulnerable, but I feel safe being taken care of you, like like being That's taken so care sweet. of by you. And Simpy's like, it's okay, no one's gonna see this. You can you can just relax. But then the next day, front page of the paper is like <laughs> gross pink cat or dog Ren gets you know <laughs> caressed nursed back to health by nurse and, and and then that's that's really funny because it's insane that that would happen <laughs> and also it's specifically like we've all been in that situation where like we're afraid of something that could not possibly yes. 
be like we're we're gonna be embarrassed by the very notion of it even though we know no one is going to watch but what if they were what if they were what if we what if this show did run alongside doug and there was some (laughs) cross-pollination there just just it, it just just followed him along like an infernal paparazzi but but then um you know ren's health takes a turn for the worse again and we see him in increasingly ridiculous you know, physical harm. And that sort of blends it, right? Where we see him in an iron lung from a cold. And it's like, well, okay, that's horrific, but also ridiculous. (laughs) Iron lung is, yeah, and that's where it loses me, because, like, iron lung is too discreet and specific a real tragedy. Even nail an iron lung song. (laughs) Right. It's the same thing that we talked about in, in, um... in in Robot Chicken again. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you make the comedy too real... It stops being funny and just starts being sad. And like, uh, credit where credit is due. We're coloring outside the lines with this show. I recognize that you have to have some of it. They they didn't completely stick the landing. And, but, but, but that's also for me. Like, there's other people who have, I guess I'm, I'm torn between how much of the, the cruelty is accepted casualties. Like, how much of that is an acceptable loss? Mm. And how much of that is, actually funny to some people like somebody there is a scene in space jam where we see tweety in an iron lung right (laughs) and that is fine because (laughs) it doesn't sit in it as much as ren and stimpy does and it's more absurd so like the ratio gets shifted further yeah Yeah, there's a lot of Uh, there's a lot of uh exploratory ratio work being done in this show yeah (laughs) that i think that's a great way to put it that's a great way to put it. You know, like, oh, we have this whole, you know, okay, so so we have a, a four-quadrant uh, mathematical page in front of us, and all comedy has just been sticking to this one quadrant. We're going to check out all the, we're going to check every combination of X and Y, and some of them do not work, <laughs> but some of them yeah, do. Yeah, there's, there's, reg- there's a region, we, we refer to that as the dark quadrant. Ooh. Yes, the lost quadrant. Um, te- what what was it in Futurama? Teddy Bear Junction <laughs> in the Galaxy of Doom. <laughs> they um, all have names like that in the Galaxy of Doom. Yeah, uh, me. I'm trying to figure out like you know this classic Carton cast conundrum: is Age of the People or Sign of the Times? Is this something that you had to enjoy because there wasn't anything like it, or is this something that you enjoy because you're an edgy teen? I th- I think it's more the former. I think, uh, and I, I bring to you this counterpoint. Before we did Beavis and Butthead do America, a long time ago, like decades. When I was young and innocent. I watched an odd episode of Beavis and Butthead. Now, this is past the age at which my attitudes toward Beavis and Butthead had unjustly been calcified. I see. I had developed some impressions of it, of like, oh, this is for the MTV crowd. I'm not really into that uh, edgy, gross-out kind of thing. Because that's what I had seen. And also probably no shortage cornholio memes. Yeah. I watch it. And I can't imagine. I can't. I, I I still lack the verbiage to explain why the laughter of Beavis set me into a chuckling frenzy. Like I I didn't I didn't understand why I was reacting so strongly to it. and like that was a moment where I was like, oh, my ratio is different than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I think it is subjective. I think it is just a this does work for some people. 
and it's it's probably going to fit people who liked the former like the earlier era of like completely neutered cartoons less sure we liked at least to some degree the thundercats and he-mans and popeyes of yesteryear yeah i think that for the people who were increasingly bored with that formula the Ren in an iron lung would have been funnier and less tragic because yeah. it was like exploring a side of comedy that you know appealed more to them like i think it is just subjectivity and and plus you know there there is such an inconsistency in the quality of this property right and even if you look at the 2003 revival which was widely disregarded and not enjoyed by people um you know because could, is it because it tried to go further? Is it because the target audience aged out? Is it because they just they had lost their chops by then? It could be a million things. I, I don't think. I that mean, this they, show they couldn't really, un- they couldn't really successfully reboot Futurama either. I think like the lightning in a bottle thing is probably you know kind of kind of where I, I sit still have on to that. watch the new season. Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's 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 encased in amber in my brain, and that's sure. where it will stay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this is unduly considered a classic. No, it's it, it it has earned its place in the on the on the cartoon walk of fame. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're not always gonna like a Sylvester Stallone performance, but you understand why he's there. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. So most of what we've been doing is talking about Ren. Do you have any thoughts on Stimpy? Is he doing more than just being the functional foil or the lovable, like lighthearted side of this show? Or like, is there depth there? Billy West, man. It's all well, that. You can't it's, just it's keep all playing Billy the Billy West, West card on me. Uh, except that I kind of can. Because he just keeps going. <laughs> he keeps getting it's, more work. It's just a very good performance. Yeah. Every time Stimpy talks, I'm like, I'm just happy to listen. <laughs> he nails it. He mm. nails this, Zane. Yeah. Um. But also, he's just a, he's just a nice shape. He is a fun shape. They missed something in Cat Dog because they were required to make Cat and Dog look similar. And that that ruins some of the alchemy that goes into a odd couple dynamic. Right. You know, you're, the, you're, the Fred, you're limiting your visual identity. The Fred and Bonnie, the cow and chicken, uh, you the, the Mario and Luigi, you, you kind of have to have them be different shapes as well as different personalities to really stick the landing there. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good, like, okay, they're always different shapes, but this is a really good dichotomy. Right. They they look great together, like, <laughs> alongside each other. Yeah. I don't think either of them look particularly good in isolation, but, like, next to each other, like, they're, they're of a piece, but they're not a separable, like, you have to have the whole set. It's right? Ren and Stimpy. You're not going to get them, you know, separately. Actually, yeah. let me look up something real quick. So in the um, in the Nickelodeon All Star Brawl game, the the Smash Alike, and I guess they're coming out with a sequel now. Uh, it's Ren and Stimpy. You know, it's one character. Oh, Duck, Duck and Hunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah. Well, Ben, canonically, the Duck Hunt is actually a trio because the guy with the light gun counts as part of the team. You know, in his Smash attacks. Anyway. Oh, I think they I think they're just using him as a cat's paw. Oh, oh yeah, like they are. They're mind controlling him. Hmm. Because why yeah, would he click correct. clack at a at a TV on his own? That that you have to the the duck has to show up first, and the dog provides direction and motivation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
such a dumb uh, yeah, <laughs> string I... of jokes. Um, <laughs> Zane, I want to talk about the animation because it is the bulk of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the benefits of the storyboard first style, uh, it one not constrained to a particular like script length, like you can squeeze and stretch the uh, scenes as to see what's working better. Um, oh yeah, no, they do the shotgun approach. They do the quickie segment approach to a lot of these. But also, you're not limiting yourself to what a thing needs to look like or needs to be. Like they go all out on the drawings of things that are supposed to unsettle you. Yes, they do. Uh, I don't know why I wrote it down, but I'm gonna, I'm going to cleave to it. Uh, this is the generation after Looney Tunes in so many ways. Uh, I call it Wild E. Coyote's Theater of the Grotesque. <laughs> Step right up, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, except it would be all silence and, and holding up cue cards. Mm-hmm. Man, a, a mute carnival barker. How about that? Yeah, that, that, it's not bad. <laughs> There's something there. Maybe needs a cat eating poop, but, you know, we can workshop it. Needs something. Um, sorry, yeah, you were saying? No, no, go ahead. I don't remember what you had just said. Oh, I was oh, why calling Coyote, it Yeah, that, that theater felt like the you had more to say about it, like you were going to exposit why you call it that. Oh, I mean, just like, it feels very Looney Tunesian. Like, the storyboard, the storyboarding feels Looney Tunesian. Yeah, uh, I mean... To me. There, you can see that a lot of the history from Looney Tunes, from Hanna Barbera. You can see a lot of the animation touches just in, in the language that they of the stuff they don't care as much about. Like, yeah. they're going to use public domain music. They're going to use canned sound effects or, or you know, some good sound effects as well. Um, but also just the the motions for things that are established that they're not drawing attention to. They're not above just you know use the stock thing, use the thing that worked. That's not where our focus is. There's there's also like we, we're talking a lot about the overall visual uh, presentation of the thing. I, I want to talk about something that I, I haven't I don't see a lot anymore. And it really requires this malleability of character model, which is so. So we're familiar through a few pieces of anime of uh, individual character models looking several different ways. Your mob psycho, your sure. one punch man, you know, the the, the fidelity of a character plays a lot into the comedy of the scene. This is weirdly one step farther, and I don't know if I have the verbiage to talk about it, which is differing character fidelity within a character model. Mm, yeah. Let me let me bring you on a journey here. I, I, I feel where you're going. Tell me. There's this one scene wherein they're doing kind of like the uh, after-school, like, advertisement, like, um, let, let's talk to the, let's break the fourth wall, talk to the audience for a minute. Um, and Ren asks the audience to recite an oath of secrecy. Oh, then yeah. Then claims, now you're in our secret club, and points at the screen with a disturbingly photorealistic human yeah. hand. And it gains the extra finger that it doesn't have when it's out of focus. <laughs> but but all of the Ren is the same. Yep. <laughs> like, it just, it, how do you... Like it's a Rob Liefeld monstrosity. Yeah, yeah. And like, like the next parts are more detailed in the foreground and less detailed in the background. Like it's 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 very jarring. It's like the presentation is very jarring. And how like the head will go from like straight up on where the neck is to like mostly at a downward angle 
without the neck moving, it's just head changes shape from like a an oval to like a C shape, and you're like, that that fits on him. His body didn't change at all. It's just a more grotesque, more unsettling version of what we can iconogra- iconographically like that that we can understand by its iconography what we are looking at, right? Like that that part doesn't change. There's such freedom when you accept a rubber hose animation conceit. Yes. Yep. Like they, they they did the the notion of heads can be variable shape is is very freeing for any number of like visual comedy. Yeah. You know? Like there there's the there's like a moment where uh Ren eats like a dehydrated food pellet. Um and he's like, I, I'm, I'm a man's man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the meat one. Uh, and Stimpy's like, you gotta water it first. And Ren doesn't listen. Eats the thing. His entire body transforms into the outline of a cow. Sure. <laughs> and like, okay, it's, it's a little too silly and not super grotesque. So like, I, I, it got past that we're, initial we're, barrier we're for me. We're above water. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's not like the belly just became a cow. No, the whole physiology of Ren entire. And you have to make it still recognizably Ren. Oh, yeah. But also recognizably a cow, but also can we make him a little bulgy and uncomfortable looking? <laughs> yes, exactly. And that that's where the heart of that scene really rests. Is It's, it's all the build-up toward like, Billy West is doing the necessary legwork to get us to the punchline of what can we do to this character model? Yeah. In service of a bad joke. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned uh, Cuphead, and I think that's a really good, like, touch point of how to make something uh, uh, exhibit the emotion you're trying to sell. Because emotionally, this show is trying to hit Binding of Isaac, creepy, like, gross, unsettling, juvenile, but to a point, you know, that whole thing. But when I look at, like, when I play Binding of Isaac and his head, Isaac's head will change shape. It will gain effects as you put items on, but it all just gets lost because the style is very uniform and controlled because it has to be. Yeah. But imagine playing Binding of Isaac in the cuphead art style. You wouldn't be able to look away from all the horrible things happening to him. And that's what they're putting on the page here. Let me give you another point of reference that I think will help articulate this a little better. In Looney Tunes... Um, let me bring to mind the, uh, the classic example of, uh, polymorphism, Dick Wolf. Ah, yes. The Auga, the coyote who sees a hot Bugs Bunny of some sort, and his eyes, the, the eyes, you can see the optic nerve, but the eyes come out of the head, yep. the jaw distends to the floor, the tongue unrolls into a red carpet. You can see it in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. What is the distinction from that to a Ren entirely metamorphosizing into a different kind of object? Because Dick Wolf, you're seeing his eyes pop out of his head. You're not seeing his, like, kidneys shoot out of his back. You're not seeing his his jaw drop and then his tongue drop through his jaw. (laughs) Sometimes you see the heart beat out of the chest. You don't see a realistic-looking heart leave the chest take a lap and come back <laughs> is it just the specificity of it it's, or the notion that there is skeletal changes is that what the um is that the rub of it it's 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 the it's how loud it is right it's the amplitude of of the focus 
where at some point the gross th- the thing that's kind of gross in order to make it more comedic is yeah. just gross <laughs> But but you can also see kind of the brilliance behind it of yes, like when absolutely. they're creating this, they're like, where are we starting from? We're starting from a dick wolf. How can we do? How can we kick it up a notch? Yeah, yeah. And this is the answer they found is to just like is just 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 they're they're all meatballs. We can we can put them into whatever shape they need to be in order for them to cook. Yeah, it does. It does feel like they that's what they did is that they looked at the old boundaries and said what's the best what way if? to expand this or not even what's the best way what ways exist for yeah. us to expand them <laughs> and let's explore all of them and like we said like this is just the cliff notes of this episode is we respect the hell out of this even if we don't always like it yeah and we do not always like it and um and i think it it's worth mentioning it doesn't just expand you know the, the, there are kind of two ways that you can elevate art you can do it better than anybody's done it or you can do it in a different way than anybody's done it yeah the show does the difference it also does like standard animation you know it doesn't it doesn't lean on it a lot there's the the scene itself is typically fairly sparse but it can do a standard look in the the robin hood you know ren as robin hood look where for some reason he's flying he like he can fly sure and he, you know, he has his hat, he has his tunic, it all looks like, hey, what if he was Robin Hood? But he's not wearing pants, it's just a tunic. And as he's flying, you can see his butt, and they show the exact right amount of butt. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I mean, it's the same pork butts and taters <laughs> ratio. Like, how much of this is tater? How much needs to be tater? And, like, when you think about stuff that went from this to, say, Spongebob, everybody thinks of the zoom-in, gross-out card you know those 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 oil paintings yeah this show also had a lot of other things the you know x time later time cards you know that style yeah the two hours Um, later it had the like the like the floral wallpaper that gives a sense of place without drawing attention to it uh the way people take off their skin is like one-to-one uh it's doing a lot that you could see in other shows but it's doing it well enough not to draw attention to deficiencies but not yeah. in an overstated way, right? Like they want to keep the focus on what it does different. They do, but they also have an expertise. So I think it was it was stated somewhere in the development cycle that like this was about as third as expensive as anything uh, Johnny K would later go on to create. <laughs> and also a lot of the budget went toward just hiring like um, practiced um, and and what's the word for when like a professional is is shown to have done good work established maybe maybe not established some something else like proven proven professional animators like a lot of the budget went to hiring them and paying them to do what they do best sure in the scene where like stimpy takes his his skin off it isn't like just like a zip and then toss it over the tree it is like a he like shimmies out of it like he's in like american pie or something and like doing like a lingerie sequence and there's like that little jazzy looney tunes sting of ooh, this is somebody who isn't sexy but is doing a sexy lady thing yeah yeah. and like you know kind of kind of like just shimmying out of his clothes and doing like the coy um slow (laughs) blink over the shoulder thing like it's adorable yeah (laughs) it's so good 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear where they, they put the emphasis. And it did very well, right? Like, this was a wildly popular show uh, that ended up having a lot of merchandising. Like, by all accounts, this was correct for the time, yes. right? We, we, we mentioned those other shows. Even if shows. you're just looking at it on the business side, like, this was clearly the right like, call a successful move but it's interesting i want to think about like the legacy compared to rugrats and doug you know it's 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 not a fair comparison because they just weren't trying to break the medium Doug, right. i think more than anything has kind of fallen by the wayside as like a, a an above average but like pretty bland show yeah and then rugrats like that was doing something different uh conceptually and it did it very well but it wasn't uh you know, pushing boundaries in the same way. Not exactly. I will say it probably gave a foothold to Klasky Supo to do other stuff, but Absolutely, then yeah. they just kind of did Rugrats again a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, what is the legacy of this show today? Is it just great animation, some good jokes, creepy if you're here for it? No, 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 no. The legacy is... The track that it laid down for Beavis and Butthead and the MTV generation. Mm. Because, like, there wasn't really an on-ramp to Beavis and Butthead other than Ren and Stimpy. You couldn't you couldn't put Beavis and Butthead on without being able to make a case like, hey, this sells. It's like how a bunch of walking around games on your phone took off after Pokemon Go. It's like, oh, this can make money if you do it right. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that the market is there. We just haven't talked to them yet. Cause, cause why would, cause if you go to a focus group and you say, do you want to see a cat and dog murder and each other for a bit? Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to say yes. I mean, isn't Itchy and Scratchy essentially a yes. take that at that, Red that, and Stimpy? There were a lot. If you look for Almost them, there's explicitly. a lot of take that's back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe it. Um, can we? Uh, so I, I know that we're kind of running long, but. I have a few more things I want to touch on. Yeah, yeah. The hyper close-ups. Like, we, we should point out specifically, yeah, yeah. do they work for you here? In what way do they work for you here? And how do you feel about them in general? Oh, it's, again, it's hard because other stuff has done this since. Um, but even, even on that curve, you know, I think of like a SpongeBob one where it zooms in and looks at his, you know, in the one where he, he he's dehydrated and you look at the cracked parched look or yeah. you look at you know you zoom into you know patrick and he's got grotesque and he's looking at his under gut or whatever yeah this still kind of does it better um i don't know that anything's really captured this in the same way um because they're it, just willing it does to draw it more every horrifically you know the body parts are distorted the eyes are bloodshot there's hair everywhere like they're willing to put in the detail to make it like Oh, there's a reason we had to do it like this. I'll be honest. I think that, like you were saying, like that's the part that people remember the most. Mm. I, I, it honestly kind of feels like a appendix, like a, like a, um, you know, like a, like a, like a dead end evolutionary uh, branch from this. Like, I understand are copying that, it, but there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, it is kind of did it the best, and that was it. You know what this show is really well known for that I totally forgot until just now? Hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Oh, no, I, I was thinking happy, happy, joy, joy most of the time. This, this fucking meme dance that everybody quotes 
and is just you look at it and it's just nothing. <laughs> there's nothing there that is this yeah. show. <laughs> well, I mean, like there's nothing really in log. I mean, like I guess there is, but they set it all in any given example of the of the song oh, it's, it's within the bounds of the show but it's not what i would think of as like this is emblematic of the show it's just like it's why it's, it's why is it <laughs> yeah like why would you pick that thing to make a meme of i guess because it's the only like thing Quote that's unquote, copyable song yeah, yeah like it's memeable well now that we're talking about music i I do want to touch on a couple of the um, the ways in which they use the established, like you had said, uh, we already got Looney Tunes in the tank. We're going to be using classical music. Mm-hmm. The way that they blend it into the animation, I think, is the part that does the best in this. Like, I think that the music is the unsung hero of Red and Stimpy. Do you mean the way Very- that, like, it will provide an instant tone for uh you know a segment yeah it's very aware of what they're going for Mm -hmm. like and it doesn't always mesh with the tone but that's also kind of the point that so i i keep going back to this example because this is when i wrote a lot of the notes the camping episode yep when ren and stimpy go skinny dipping there is this creepy country bumpkin who gleefully says i love skinny dipping i'm gonna join you and the the what happens is he like kind of like presents his entire naked self to them and like we have that great shot of like the steepled legs with Ren and Stimpy in the yeah, background frame, behind frame it by them and instead of a butthole we just get a bandaid over the butthole like it's really strange a choice <laughs> um the musical choice for this as he is starting to pick up speed and run toward them i don't know what this is this song is called but you do it's hall of the mountain king yeah i was i was convinced that it was either going to be o fortuna or um uh ride of the valkyries the way you were describing it it could have been anything, <laughs> but they, they they just make this like fairly tame kind of kind of cute thing. And one of my favorite jokes that I saw from this comes in. They don't show, you know, it, the full frontal nudity. What they do show is as he's running toward them with the music crescendoing, we see the pupils in Ren and Stimpy's <laughs> eyes bouncing up and down <laughs> aggressively in time with his. That's that's great. <laughs> Like, oh, how perfect. Way way to make the audience do the work. I love it. It's it's such good synergy. Yeah. It's, and like, it, how good does that, like the music puts you in the, we're going to be real silly right yeah. now. Yeah. Kind of uh, mood. Or, or how they'll do, you know, more like dark musical stings when it's like, okay, guys, we're doing some body horror here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also really like the use of canned sound effects. Oh, yeah. Particularly because they're not one to one. I feel like we've (laughs) talked about this before. Whenever it's not one to one, where it's just not quite right, it it definitely when um, when they when they move around in such a way that their butts touch, you can hear a kiss. Yeah, (laughs) like that's wrong. That's the wrong choice. Yeah, or like a squeaky pickle (laughs) sound effect or something. Um, if if Ren is slapping Stimpy, usually we're gonna have like a they do this in Ed, Ed and Eddie, too. This is kind of classic now. 
it can be anything from like a foghorn to glass shattering <laughs> to monkeys screeching. Like yep. just and and it won't be the same for each smack. It's going to be different each and every time. Mm. So we, we get the class up wind up, up up and release of that of the of, of the joke. Like this is a catchphrase essentially. It's like we know he's going to hit him. What's the sound going to be? And right. it's always great. <laughs> Um, there's this one other, I, I'm sorry, this, this is the other one that kind of, please, yeah, kind of, kind of really killed me. Still the camping thing. Stimpy tells Ren to light a fire by rubbing twigs together. Ren doesn't know what twigs are, so he grabs a pair of squirrels and tries to do like the, you know, the, the, the rubbing them. Yeah. The, the, the rubbing them together to create fire. First of all, we get like the Tasmanian devil kind of thing because he's doing it so fast along with, like, an aggressive pencil sharpener noise, mm. or even maybe, like, the Taz sound effect as he does so. But what really clinches it is that the squirrels do not react to this at all. They oh, continue they're... eating They continue eating acorns. That's pretty like, good. They, it looks like they got Photoshopped from a different scene. It's so <laughs> funny. So yeah, the, like the musical integration, like the animation is the part that really pushes the envelope. Mm. And they don't use like a ton of different music than Looney Tunes would. No, they do yeah. use some like jazzy numbers. They do like the little like um the little noir femme fatale sting for like Stimpy removing his skin or whatever. Sure, yeah, like the, yeah. Like, They'll do the like Romeo the lingerie and thing. Da, na, 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 na. Like all the classics they, they, are here. They do all the classics, yeah. It, it almost but it, it's seems really like where they, they 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 know where to work them in, and, and they know where to work them in to set the tone either for the joke or against the joke, you know, at, at, to heighten it. Yeah, and like I guess in some ways, Looney Tunes, like Bugs Bunny, at the top of its game, did do this in a subversive way. This is just kind of doing it in more subversive way. Yeah, yeah, kind of using like, his powers for evil. Like, what's Opera Doc does the serious music to Elmer Fudd crying over Bugs Bunny as a Valkyrie mm -hmm. pretending to have a death scene? Like, you know, we're, we're dealing in kind of similar waters here. This just kind of pushes it even further. I've watched what's Opera Doc pretty recently. Still holds yeah. up, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. Um, and I, I like. I think that the musical choices here hold up. I think that the animation holds up. It's just, man, is it ever not for me? <laughs> it, look, man, there is a lot of startup cost. Like yeah. this is a this is a reaction for which I need an enzyme. The, the, like I I gotta lower the activation energy of this particular chemistry. It's kind of like you know I, I mentioned Binding of Isaac. It's kind of like what I hear. Um, you know when when I'm listening to uh, Gary and the guys the guy from Duckfeed. Uh, and they say, you know, when you try and talk to people about Binding of Isaac, they're like the the poop and heresy game. Like, I don't really notice well, that well, anymore. Well, yes, but <laughs> but like the ability to turn that part off so that you can enjoy the the art artistic value of it or, yeah. or the quality parts of it. You know, it it is an extremely subjective thing, as we mentioned, it, both in terms yeah. of variance from episode to episode how old you are when it came out this is such lightning in a bottle and you know what the people who grew up with ren and stimpy they probably also don't recognize the animal torture in the same way we do they probably are numb to those elements of it or at least are accepting it as table stakes right 
Um, I, I kind of wish that I was there too, because there's a lot of gold in here that I just can't really access very easily. I do recognize the fun in this, but I definitely have my guard up at the beginning of each episode until yeah. it, until it confirms for me that this is one of the okay episodes, that this the, isn't the Invader Zim Dark Harvest episode. It's, ne- they, they never, they never overcome the fact that I'm not going to trust them, they need to reestablish uh, yeah. trust every episode. <laughs> I always have one hand on the emergency brake. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, I ditched any episodes, but I don't think I, like, I can imagine a scenario where I would have. <laughs> oh, I definitely ditched a couple episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that we went back to this, and it, it proved to be less, it less volatile and problematic that as than i feared it would be you always work like you always wonder what people see in this you know dumb thing whatever it is uh this, this is a yeah, common thing problem with adults it cheapens it so much kids right? media you know and and even we're guilty of it right like yes i have not given squid billies the time of day enough for it to Im- no, impress why would me. you well that's the thing right like maybe Maybe there was something here all along, and I just wasn't I mean, willing the, to give it. And like adults are frequently unwilling to give it, and that's why it took somebody, a, a few people in the right places, really pushing this to become what it was. Yeah, but again, we we kind of get the benefit of hindsight because we saw that this, although it looks to us like maybe a squid billies, there was so much popularity for it that we're like, okay, there's got to be something here. Ben, you know, the fact that we have brought up Squidbillies as like the ultimate no, no. purpose episode does Don't you dare. does mean that we kind of have to do it by no, our own. No, <laughs> Zane. I don't like it either. I don't want to do this. <laughs> Surely All we right. can find something else. <laughs> Listener, write in about Squidbillies and just kind of can 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 somebody email us a full review of Squidbillies? Yeah, just I don't want to do it. Yeah. If you don't mind Billy West, we get a few I would vetoes. just love to hear <laughs> I would just love to hear Billy West do the a full review, the full carton cast review of Squidbillies, so we don't have to. Squidbilly West. Um. Okay, I think we're good to wrap up shop. Yeah. Uh, Zane, what are we doing next? Ben, next time we are going to check out Promare. It is, um, you know, probably not the Gynax Trigger people's most uh, famous work, but it's gotten a lot of buzz of late, and we definitely need to check out that style of anime movie. Yeah, and we're not going to get anywhere just talking about Evangelion or Gurren Lagann. We could try. Like it, it, no, 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 no it, it's not going to go well. I think we know, we both know that it's not going to go well. Here, here's, here's, my, here's my one sentence summary of each of those. Gurren Lagann, it, it's good, but it can't stop, like, tripping under over its own legs. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just uh, run real fast when you hit the ground. And then Evangelion, like, several amazing moments with just a lot of filler, <laughs> like a lot of chaff that you don't remember because it's artsy. That was a pandemic background show for me. Sure. Like, like Hunter got, Hunter. They gotta kill how many you know aspects of god why why can't we just see the first one and last one <laughs> boy i think you're i think you're focusing on the wrong aspects of that yes that was the, the issue that is that there's so much more show than that in any case promare uh, yeah promare and then ben what about after that uh zane after that we've referenced it 
too much not to talk about. No, it's not Squidbillies. Thankfully, we are... <laughs> what what a twist that would have been. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we're doing something what I assume will be slightly more palatable, and will also open up the conversation to a different genre. Mm. We are going to go with Total Drama Island. Yeah, the, the sort of show-parodying... Uh, reality tv elements uh in a way that i think was meant in a more straightforward one-to-one than something like drawn together drawn together is the one that i had watched yeah same um i didn't like it i did watch it i didn't particularly like it yeah that was a definite hate watch for me yeah there was like uh, a variety of colorful characters and that kind of like that that'll give me six seasons or six episodes worth of trust yeah see that's the thing is like it's got enough references that i will occasionally find joy in it yeah like there's so but many I things they not, could do i did not find happy happy joy in it so right. and that's 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 the clincher um so yeah, we're we're gonna watch Drawn Together. Zane, nope, feel free we're gonna to watch Total Drama Island. We're not gonna oh, watch. That's Drawn the one together. I meant. Yeah, I'm probably gonna watch. We're gonna an watch of Drawn Together just to... just, just just for reference material. We're gonna watch Total Drama Island. I my hopes are very low, so we could be pleasantly surprised. I Zane, I expect you to load up on Survivor factoids. Ben, the biggest Survivor will... factoid right now is. At long last, after many, many years of me telling a lot of people in my friend group that, no, Survivor's pretty good, it took a pandemic, but everybody's kind of come around on it. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, and I could not disagree more. Uh, but if you if, had to watch all of Survivor on like a, you know, as part of like a squid game or something, was there yeah. an order that you would do it in? You know, best to wor- worst to best, or front to back, or side to side? I, I, I would probably just argue for that to be the last game in the squid game situation you don't think anybody else would make it through that well i i just if i didn't make it through that i would rather not subject myself to survivor yeah that's you you're you're weak you're not going to win the million dollars or the however much money they won in squid game i mean if you watch saying if you win a million dollars and you watched all of survivor did you really win <laughs> the squid game <laughs> That's that's one for the philosophers. Anyway, if you have anything to say about Promare, Total Drama Island, or the ways in which Survivor is terrible, you can go to fancybat.com slash cartoncast. You can go to our contact page there and leave us a uh, suggestion for shows to do or a comment about any of those shows or anything else. Tell us about your favorite season of Survivor. No, don't do that. Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Please ben, tell your friends about Log. Yeah, but when are we going to get one? <laughs> it, did you know that it rolls downstairs alone or in pairs? The the Log? Oh, the, the one stair or That's two right. stairs, like it bounces. Ben, the, yeah. the image I couldn't get out of my head just now was like Squid Game. They're making Ren and Stimpy watch survivor and the close-up of the eyeballs with like a ludovico machine but you see the squid game people with guns in the background like i can picture it very well that's because ren staring at a thing that should not be is sort of baked into ren and stimpy he was the chicken in robot chicken ben that's why he looks so weird oh yeah it kind of was like conceptually like not he didn't look like the chicken but 
Well, I think that there's a conspiracy theory here worth investigating. Was Ren the chicken in Robot Chicken? <laughs> Dumb. He could have been. <laughs> Chick Ren. Mm, it's all there. <laughs> hey, this isn't pork butts and taters. This is dog boo. It's Tuesday. I always have pork butts and taters on Tuesday.